0: Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. I'm going to continue to talk about the reality of death and life and sort of change of perspective. I'm going to also talk about prayer in St. Francis of Assisi. Today's his feast day. So, lots to cover today, and it's it's in this moment, again, where I do appreciate you folks praying for pray for my family, especially my dad, for the repose of his soul, and that he'd be quickly purged and free from all purgation, from all purgatory, and home forever, forever in heaven with God. All right, back in a minute with Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that... Hey, welcome to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for the gift of life, for the gift of new life that your Son Jesus won for us. Lord, we ask that you would give us a vision of heaven. Give us a sense of the reality of heaven and living life here on earth well in the light of heaven. Lord, give us the grace to reflect on these things and make them real Make them real day-to-day, concretely, Lord, in how we live. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so uh, several just quick uh, quick anecdotes, uh, quick, well, insights, anecdotes. The past week has been a bit uh, odd for me with uh, all the happenings around my, my dad um, and his dying, but just... Busy in a way that it became easy for me to allow prayer to be crowded out. Boy, the way that I just said that makes me feel like I was almost a victim. <laughs> uh, let's, let's kind of put it out there. If I don't pray, I, 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 didn't, I don't want to say it like if you don't pray, if I don't pray... I know that my day will not go as well. Now, I, I don't necessarily mean smoothly because sometimes it's honestly as a result of prayer and being uh, spiritually attuned that trials and tribulations and spiritual attacks come. So I'm not saying that, oh, when you pray, things go more smoothly. I, I, I don't equate those two. I do, if not equate, I do connect closely, starting my day off rooted in prayer with a sense, a sensitivity to God's presence, to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and to an experience of God's power and anointing at work in my life. That is true. When I, I I have to own it, when I make the decision not to make prayer in my relationship with God expressed through prayer, my first priority in the morning when I get up, oh, and I've got great excuses, but when I don't set aside other things, other relationships, yes, that means carry other relationships in order to put my relationship with the Lord my God first, I don't have as good of a day. And, and as good of a day, again, I'm not saying well, if I pray, I'm more successful. I, I am saying it. When I'm praying, I'm more fruitful. I, I definitely, well, of course, will bear more spiritual fruit if we are in communion with the Lord. And so it's something that I'm convicted about. It's something that I'm uh, sensitized to right now, that in the last handful of days, I still have gotten up early, gotten up first, had a sort of clear run or a clear path towards how I spend my time, And somehow or other, somehow or other, again, it makes me sound like I'm powerless. Just, I didn't give my first best time to God in prayer. Now, a couple of those days I was cleaning, cleaning the kitchen. And I could have, honestly, cleaned the kitchen and the house, you know, trying to be supportive to my family. Carrie's been sick a bit. uh, And my kids have been tired with school. And so I've been stepping in to be more helpful But I definitely could have, in the midst of all of that, I definitely could have been um, like listening to prayer. I could have uh, listened to to like a rosary or the liturgy of the hours, or uh, even, I, I may have even been listening to a homily. But once I was freed from doing that work, that, that, would, that would take up sometimes an hour, um, then Carrie would often be up. And now I still have about at least a half an hour or 45 minutes where I could have the time to myself, but I chose to talk with Carrie instead. Instead of saying, Carrie, you know what? Look, I, you know, I've been cleaning and I've been just sort of uh, a bit wasting time while I was cleaning rather than being quiet and prayerful. I I now need to give that time to the Lord, and she would have said, "Fine, great, do that." But I was really quickly willing to surrender that time to prayer, to 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 build that relationship with God and, and nurture and root my day in God, and instead gave the time to carry. And um, and you know, was it wasn't like we had fruitless conversations, but. There's something even about my relationship with Carrie that's going to be more spiritually healthy, that's going to be uh, set up, disposed to be healthy in, in human ways as well, when I'm rooted in prayer. My brothers and sisters, we have to have this sense of, is God first or not? Is my relationship with God the first and most important relationship in my life, or isn't it? There are impacts that happen on our lives when we are not rooting our day, rooting our uh, our approach to our day, first and, and fundamentally in our relationship with God. Are you tracking with me? Let me give you a couple of for instances. One of the, I think, one of the most important for instances is that when I, if I have a weakened sense of my relationship with God because I haven't nurtured it in prayer, then the other activities that will flow almost immediately from that will also be impacted. So, for instance, going to Mass. Uh, I'd it, it's, it's, I, I like to say it's a habit of mine to go to daily Mass. And yet, when I look at the past week, I have somehow floated away from the simple, clean commitment to get to daily Mass. And... I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm maybe I'm being too hard on myself. You know, still trying to navigate the challenges of kids. We don't have drivers in our house anymore. It's just carrying and me and 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 having to be more engaged and involved in that throws off my normal going to mass times. That's true. Okay, I'll acknowledge that. But I haven't made it a priority to find a way to get to mass every day because. My days were typically easy for me to own the first couple hours of my day, so I, I could I could basically, with a free, clear path, make it to daily mass in the morning. And the the two masses that I would attend, one or the other, they're now no longer uh, typically accessible to me, so I guess it's good that I'm saying this out loud. I'm being accountable. <laughs> I think that's going to be a good thing. Uh, but, uh, boy, all of a sudden, you see, what am I saying? When we, when we don't make God our priority, and, and that gets expressed through time spent with God in prayer, and then other things connected to that, another impact will be that we'll have a diminished sense a diminished enlightenment of how we see the world as bathed in God's glory, as, a, uh, as creation, as the place of my journeying. So here I am, I'm on this journey through life, and this journey through life is, is not, you know, life is a journey, not a destination. No, that is not Christian. The life is a journey part is a profound insight into human nature, that we are on a journey. We started someplace, and we're, we're along the path, and we're headed someplace, right? That's, that's not only perennial human philosophy, right? The, the, the classical philosophy of the West. We've come from God, and we're headed back to God. But in a Christian standpoint, God created us. We're on this journey through time, we're on the way, we're not yet home, and yet there is a place that is our point of arrival, and that is that which we get to through death. Through death we arrive back to our origin, but we now come before the one who created us, and we are to give an account for the way we lived our life on that journey, it, boy, do you think that's an important perspective to have? Is that an important awareness to live with day to day is is that framework that way of seeing things uh f- important the answer is yes it's fundamental because if, if we get that right, if we have that consciousness that awareness that We've come from God. We're headed towards God. We're on this journey. We're on this journey through life. We don't know when that journey is going to end, but it's going to end here. And when it does end here, we're going to meet our maker. And we want to be prepared for that meeting because we don't know when it's going to happen. And so having that awareness, not not, not being covered over, like that would allow us to live in an illusion that somehow the first and last things i'm concerned about in my life or in my today are all rooted in this world that that they're all part and parcel of the things that are part of this world my job and my career do you see how that that's such a diminished vision for our lives or Gosh, my job is gonna provide for my family and I will be able to have physical good things for my family. Is that important? Yeah, but but if that's as as broad as my horizon goes, is it broad enough? No, it's not. Oh, I'm living in this world where there are challenges that are being faced, that that we have to face, that are moral and relational and, and communal and in the wider society. And, and we ought to be engaged in the, are those things important, yeah. Yeah, our eyes are being lifted up and outside ourselves, lifting up and beyond ourselves out into the wider world. Is that big enough? Is that broad enough? No, it's not. We, we want to lift up our eyes all the way to the heights, all the way to the heights, and beyond the heights to the one who created them, whose footprints are seen all over the world. That, that's the beautiful image, the, the beautiful concept found in St. Augustine, the vestigia trinitatis, the footprints of the Trinity, seen in the world. And we can sense God's presence in the world. That's what we want. But how will we sense God's footprints in the world, in the events of today, in, in the things that he has created, and in our heart, if we're not praying, through prayer, we nurture our relationship with the Lord, and as we grow in union with the Lord, we'll come to know and sense his presence in our minds and in our hearts, in our lives, in our thinking, in our, in our speaking, and in, in our living, and in the world around us, and in the events of our day. Do you see how important that is for us to, to be able to, to know that, to put our finger on it, and realize that even in hard times, God is not absent? Even in dark times, God is still present. Even in uh, broken times, you know, God is the healer and he'll make things right and he'll make things whole. And, and he has for us a place that is beyond brokenness and, 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 and division and hurt and pain and tears and death. No, he is beyond. We have to pray. We have to give good time our first time, meaningful amounts of time to nurture our relationship with the Lord so that we can see the world in the right light, so that we can live with the right attitudes, the right way of relating to the things that are part of our lives, that'll flow from that consciousness that we are children of God, children of the Father, that Jesus is with us, the Spirit is within us, and He has power, to give us the grace we need to know what it is his will and to do his will that's how we want to live day to day we will not be doing that if we are not praying so I share with you that just that conviction that conviction that my last week has not been a good week because I haven't prayed the way that I know I can the way that I know the Lord is gracing me to the way that I'm able to and so I'll begin again today back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It it is the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. I'm going to get around to St. Francis in just a bit, but I'm reflecting on the well in the first section on the power and importance of prayer and how that gives us a way of seeing the world a consciousness and awareness of how we live in the world that shapes our attitudes how we relate to the things that are around us how we relate to the challenges and the good things how we relate to the relationships and the situations we face god's light shines into all of those places and we can meet the lord in the midst of all of those realities and then he can guide us on how to live there you go Make prayer uh, a first and fundamental commitment. If you don't know how to pray, if you're stuck figuring out what do I do if I'm going to pray, get a Bible, get a rosary, get a notebook, get a daily prayer uh, guide uh, like the Magnificat or God's Word Today or the Word Among Us or... uh, the, I think it's called One Bread, One Body. There's there's so many of these daily readers. Or uh, as much as I, I hesitate and cringe a little bit, you, know, uh, you can use your smartphone as well to help you in this uh, journey of daily prayer. Uh, I say that even though I will use the Divine Office app to basically give me the pages that I'm supposed to be on and remind me of, if there are feasts, what pages the... The feast days are found in the Liturgy of the Hours. And so that's helpful. Um, But I know that a lot of folks um, use the Hallow app, um, and that's been growing and growing. And so uh, the Hallow app offers uh, daily meditations and reflections of various sorts. And so that can be helpful. Um, But I, I read God's Word. Read the Word of God. Pray quietly, use use music that you can sing to or that can provide a beautiful, holy atmosphere in the background, right? Whatever you need to do. And if you're stuck, just fall on your knees and say, help, Lord, help me. Lord God, help me. Jesus, please be with me. I don't know how to pray. I fail in prayer. I get distracted in prayer. Lord, I'm embarrassed to come before you because I don't pray as I ought. I don't know how to pray, but I should. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me because I've sinned. But Lord, my biggest sin is that I don't even know what my sin is. I'm proud, Lord. Lord, I'm not teachable. I'm stubborn. I cling to my own ways. Lord God, I'm supposed to live for you, but I don't even know what that looks like. I want to live for you, but I don't know what that means. And frankly, I, I hesitate that even if I said those words, well, I really mean them, Lord. And so Jesus, please, your Holy Spirit lives in me, but I don't even know what that means. But I ask you, Jesus, to make the gift of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I speak to you. Jesus, make that gift come alive. Holy Spirit, be alive in me in a new way. You came as fire and wind on the apostles at Pentecost. And please, I was baptized. I was confirmed. Stir within me the gift of your Holy Spirit so that I will experience that sense of anointing, that sense of fire within me. I don't even know what that means. I've never experienced fire within me, but I want that, Lord. So please let that let that happen, Lord. Please, Jesus, and I, I want you to bless my family, my loved ones, those, those that are part of my life, especially those that, that most need your loving attention and your care, those, those that I'm frustrated with and I'm angry at how they're living and, and, and what they're doing and what they're avoiding. And, and Lord, I, I, I have to repent for the ways that I've treated that. What am I doing? I'm praying. Right? I'm, I'm praying. You see what I'm doing? I, I, I was trying to pray for you. I was trying to pray in a way that was authentic for a lot of people listening. I'm, I'm hoping that you could relate to that. I wasn't really praying my own situation, you know, to the letter. There are certainly strands and themes in there that ring true from my own life. But I was trying to give you like a handhold. I was trying to give you a ledge to stand on, to, to, to elevate yourself in your own Praying, right? That's that's a big deal, that's important. And it just again, so many Catholics have never really been taught how to pray. They've been taught prayers to say, but they haven't been taught how to pray. How do I actually nurture my my life of prayer? You know, I, I know how to Tend a garden. I know how to get grass to be green. I know how to pull weeds. I know how to uh, fertilize and and put in weed killer and uh, aerate and uh, trim and uh, put down new grass seed. Right, boy, there's you got a bunch of experts out there who find the idea of taking care of a lawn or a yard it takes trouble and effort. But boy, he got that down. Or Handyman types are like, I know how to take care of my car, change the oil. Are you kidding me? That's a joke. I know how to do that, and how to. I know how to, uh, I know how to uh, you know, uh, uh, paint it or, or fix a dent or, uh, you know, work on the engine. <laughs> All kinds. I don't even know what to say. Or change the brakes, uh, put on a new starter. Uh, you know, I'll stop there. You get the idea. We're good at a lot of things. We're good at a lot of human things. We're good at a lot, good on computers, good in our jobs, good in, in those areas where we've been trained and educated, good at sports. But how many of us are good at prayer? How many of us really know how to pray well? Like how to meditate on scripture, how to contemplate the living God in silence, in creation, in the the world around us, in our own hearts. How many of us know how to be in solitude, in silence, in simplicity? How many of us are, are good at fasting? Right, Spiritual disciplines. We just have not as attended to those things as as greatly. and And so I think there's, boy, a bit of a cause and effect relationship here. We don't pray so well, and then what does that do? It causes some effects that have us be more bound to the things of this world, and that distracts us and diverts us away from and disperses us away from spending time with God. And then as a result of that, we continue to have a diminished sense of sin, a diminished sense of God's presence, and we continue to fall in labor and darkness with maybe a a longing, a, a desire, a yearning to somehow uh, access more in our relationship with God or our something deeper in our relationship, or living out our Catholic faith. But we don't know what that is. We don't know what that really looks like. But boy, there are folks that seem to be talking about God and talking about the way that their Catholic faith impacts their lives in a way that's fundamentally different than the way that we're doing it. And it's like, are they just making stuff up? Or is there something meaningfully different? Is there something richer and more profound that I'm missing out on? I think there might be, but I don't know how to get there. And I don't know who to talk to about it. Right? Wow, that's not what I want for you. And that's certainly not what I want for me or my kids. And that's not what God wants for us, most importantly. Maybe God's using this radio program to knock on the door of your heart. Maybe God is using the prayer that you just heard as a way of saying, dang, this guy's reading my email, my secret email I send to myself. And maybe God's going to use that to stir in you. A not just a desire, but a willingness to take action to say, Lord, I want more. Lord, today, now, please grace me for the next step. Please grace me for a step to take me deeper, a step to enrich my own awareness of your presence and your power that you will to be at work in my life more fully. I want that, Lord. So please do that. Please help me. I give up. I give over. Please, Lord, you do that cuz I don't know how, but I want it. So I you know, I I'm Why am I talking like this today? I don't know. Holy Spirit moving in me to talk like this. I began with what I thought was a simple (laughs) reflection uh, that was only going to take a minute and just identify the fact that I've felt convicted about uh, not praying daily in the way that I know that I'm called to for no good reason. I've got good excuses, but that's all they are. And saying, I, I'm not going to settle for that. There, there are too many impacts that are negative. God, the, the Lord deserves it. But downstream in my day, I'm not going to be living with that sense of the presence of the Lord in my life and at work through my life. And the people around me, they're going to know it. You're going to know it. You, you folks listening uh, on my program, you're gonna you're gonna know you're gonna be able to sense the difference between the those times when I am in union with the Lord in a way that's intimate and personal and profound and and life giving. There's there's that sense of anointing, and when I'm stuck in sin, I, I know that. I I can say that. Let's see, thirty. 34 years, wow, yeah, 34 years I've been doing church work. And I, I, I've given, I don't know, uh, uh, I think it's a few thousand talks. I know that sounds crazy, but if you count radio programs, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a few thousand. And I can remember two times in you know all of these presentations that I've done, where I, I had sinned. I had sinned. And I was in a state of uh, mortal sin. And yet I still had to get up and give a talk. And it was, it was a talk I had given before and gave the talk and said the words, told the stories, used the uh, engaging humor and, and capacity to interact but the talk fell flat. It just was, it was empty. Uh, and, and I could tell. I could tell. I, I sensed it. I felt that lack. I felt that sense of, you know, when you, when you hear about mortal sin, it's, you know, the life of God is cut off right the, the the sanctifying grace the very divine life you're cut off i was cut off and it mattered it made a difference and the i think the thing that was probably the most embarrassing was that this was at a priest friend of mine's parish he had invited me to come in from out of town and lead this parish mission. And so I, you know, got to town and I gave the talk in this situation of being in mortal sin. And again, this was a talk I'd given, I don't know, hundreds of times. Well, dozens and dozens and dozens of times, right? A lot of times over the course of many years. And when I was done with the talk, he he got up and he picked up where my talk ended and he started to call down the Holy Spirit. And he literally walked up and down the main aisle of the church calling for the Holy Spirit to fall upon the church, calling upon God to not like abandon his people but come Holy Spirit, come Pentecost fire. And I had never seen him do that before. And I'd never seen anybody do that before after I had just given a talk. <laughs> Afterwards, I'm like, hey, I got to confess something here. He said, I "I was not in, you know, communion with God. I, had, I have sinned. And I gave that talk in the, in the state of, of being in mortal sin. And my priest friend said, I could tell. That's why I did what I did. I could tell. And that's why I got up and started preaching and called down the Holy Spirit because I, I could sense it, that there was that, you had said a whole bunch of words, but spiritually they, they, they were correct words, but they lacked power. They were empty. What was, what's worse is, I could speak those words, and people could think that, oh, the gospel doesn't have power because those are well-said words that are correct theologically, they're accurate and presenting the scriptures and, and the message of Jesus Christ, but they lack power because I was not being an authentic witness. That was so embarrassing. That was Shameful. I cried out to God for mercy. I went to confession. And I, I, I don't know if I went that night or the next morning uh, but I to my buddy, but I went to confession. And I just said, I don't ever want to do that again. I will not ever do that again. Where I am spiritually in a place of mortal sin and stand up and be a public witness to Jesus Christ. It's just like, wow. Well, guess what, brothers and sisters? Each and every day, we have a pulpit. Each and every day we have a platform where we're giving a speech. We're, we're preaching the gospel. What is that platform? What is that pulpit? What is that, uh, what is that platform? It's, it's your life. It's your workplace. It's your home. It's your relationships. We are called to be living witnesses. Welcome back to Sound Insight. Sight. So it's a good chance to transition now. We are called to be living witnesses to Jesus Christ and him crucified. We are called to be those who just by showing up, Manifest something of Jesus Christ in his crucifixion, his death, and his victory over death in the resurrection. Guess who did that really well? Guess who was a profound witness to Christ's crucifixion just by showing up? Yeah, today's feast day. That would be St. Francis of Assisi the first historical figure to receive the stigmata. And I, I know that some will point to Paul's letter to the Galatians, where St. Paul talks about he bears the marks of Christ on his body. The And, and there may be some in our tradition that have said that that um, was a reference to the stigmata or could have been a reference to the stigmata. But the first actual historical, uh, clear testimony to someone having the stigmata is, in fact, St. Francis of Assisi. And the beautiful connecting point between his having the stigmata and this theme that I'm talking about today, which is you deepen your union with Christ through prayer, and that will manifest itself through a sense of God's presence, a sense of the presence of the Lord Jesus shining through our lives. Well, that's actually the theology of the stigmata in Franciscan spirituality. That St. Francis, the stigmata that was on his body, the stigmata, the wounds of Christ, right? The wounds in his hands, the wounds in his feet, the wound in his side, And for some stigmatists, the wounds on on their foreheads, on their heads, the crowning with thorns, and even some, the wound on the shoulder from carrying the cross, right? So there are various degrees and levels of manifestation of the, let's call it the, uh, the imprinting of the passion of Jesus in the lives of stigmatists. But for Franciscans, the the idea of the stigmata in the life of St. Francis wasn't something that came from the outside. It wasn't that uh, the stigmata happened because outside, externally uh, distant from him, Jesus imposed the stigmata on his body, but rather... The stigmata was an external manifestation of the interior communion with Jesus Christ in prayer. That it was, uh, there wasn't an impressio, it was an expressio. There was the expression of the intense, profound union with Jesus. Jesus crucified, that boom, exploded forth from the life of francis in his hands and his feet in his side and so that you know that's a one of the most again you one of the unique very 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 rare witnesses to one's union with jesus christ is the stigmata as an expression outwardly physically of the union with Jesus Christ crucified internally. And and yet at the same time, that's our life too. We are called upon to manifest the passion and death and resurrection and, and ascension of Jesus in our lives etched from within our bodies to express themselves through our bodies out into the world. And I think that that's That's one of the ways that um, we ought to be thinking about how we pray. That Jesus wants to grow in us. He wants to take shape and be formed in us. He wants to shine forth more fully through us into the world. And the the way in which Jesus is going to draw close to us, and he's going to configure and conform his life to ours so that it breaks through us into the world. That's that's up to him. But are we willing to do that? Are we ready to do that? The more profound our union with Christ, the more we desire to be with Christ. The more profound our union with Christ, the more that we recognize this world is from God and that we are to live in a manner that's worthy, that we are uh, worthy of our calling, that we're children of God, led by the, the Holy Spirit who moves within us. It also, it, 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 it can break open, it can uh, dislodge us, dislodge in us, ways of looking at the world that are just, frankly, of the world. So, for instance, St. Augustine, he, when he reflected on the condition that human beings were in after the fall, he contrasted that with the state, it's called the preternatural state, the state of Adam and Eve before the fall. He said before the fall, Adam and Eve had the possibility Of not dying. It wasn't that they were immune to death, it's that they had the possibility of not dying. In other words, death was not part of God's plan, and they had that possibility of not dying if only they lived in obedience, if they lived in that communion with God and honored his will. But they failed and they fell, and we experience in this fallen world the effects of original sin, and that also gets compounded by our own personal sin. But Augustine has this really interesting thing to say. He says that in a fallen world, not yet fully redeemed by Christ, there's only one truly despairing state. There's, there's one condition to be in, in this fallen world, that is a condition of despair. And he contrasts it with the, the possibility of not dying of Adam and Eve. And he says in the fallen state, that the, the, the condition of despair is when it's impossible to die. You go from the possibility of not dying before the fall to being in a condition that is only despairing if it's impossible for you to die. Now, I find that so fascinating. He, for, for Augustine, it's, it's like clear and obvious in his union with the Lord and his understanding of this world that, that flows from that, that the worst thing that could happen is being stuck, <laughs> being stuck in a fallen world and not being able to die. That would be terrible. Not being able to die would be a terrible condition to be in. So, so says St. Augustine. And wow, when I think about the slogan I began the program with, life is a journey, not a destination, that's, I think, the secret wish of so many Americans today. So many caught up in the material world and the benefits and... and and. Uh, The types of satisfying experiences that this world gives is that, boy, if only this could go on and on and didn't end, that would be wonderful. As long as I'm healthy, (laughs) as long as I'm young. So let's find ways to reverse the aging process. Let's find ways to continue our lives here as long as possible, longevity, 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 and let's work on diet and exercise and let's work on genetic interventions and surgical things and rewiring the brain and and having special kind of uh, fluids that we can take in that are going to make us young again, somehow trying to achieve what Augustine considered despair. (laughs) Boy, if only we could live without being able to die. Augustine would say, oh, that's hopeless. That's terrible. Why would you want to be stuck in a fallen world? And the answer is, well, if that's the only world that you know, if that's the only world that's tangible and real for you, if that's the only world that you think that exists, then death is the end. Death is emptiness. De- death is nothingness. Death is meaningless. It's anything but a door door. To our heavenly home, a door through which we'll come and meet our God face to face in judgment and have to give an account. Wow, fundamentally different ways of seeing the world. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves it's much more than buying or selling a home it's discerning a whole new life if that's something that you would find uh, a help in if I could be of service to you please be in touch you can find out more at drtomcurran.com drtomcurran.com welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Caron. It is great to be with you. I think about this. You can see I think about this a lot. I think about this idea of life and death. And, and I foster this in my kids. Carrie and I, we talk a lot about this with our kids. And we did it growing up. And I know people laugh. And they say, boy, what a fun household you grew up in. And I'm like, well, no, I want, I want my kids to live in the light of reality. I want them to live in the light of what is real. And Uh, And and what is real is God and the church and our our life as disciples of our Heavenly Father because of Jesus through the gift of His Spirit at work and then through the church and, and how we have an opportunity to honor God by how we live. But that means making the reality of God real. And that means, again, comes back to nurturing the life of prayer. And it also means that my kids can supernaturally, through the grace of God, come to a natural sense of peace about the reality of death and of life and death and of what's at stake in life and death and therefore what we want to do with the one life we get to live. It fosters in them a sense of stay rooted in your identity that's based in faith and be with others who, who are doing the same and the reality of god becomes more tangible and real it's not doubted aquinas said that the truth of the soul right that's the that's these deepest truths these deepest truths these truths of the soul is the phrase he used uh that these truths of the soul are the most obscure truth right it's the least clear at a at a uh, basic level like get a basic level at a let's call it a first like obviousness level no it's it's the most obscure but once known it is more certain it is the most certain type of knowledge did you hear that so Is the the knowledge of God and the truth of God, the truth of our soul, the, the deepest truths of who we are and what we're about, are they obvious or are they obscure? And the answer is they're obscure, but once known, they are more certain, they are more firmly held as what is real than the most obvious realities that are around us. I know that, honestly, that's something you won't get until you continue to walk the life of faith and nurture your relationship with God and you pursue that cleansing, uh, that, that power of God that will cleanse us as we follow him, uh, crucifying the desires of the flesh, The truths of God become more certain, the most certain, the most firmly held, the most clear and convincing and convicting truths, even though they are also, at another level, the most obscure. They're not readily apparent, but when known, the most firmly and convincingly held as what is real. That's what the Lord wants for us. That's what he wants for us regarding life and death. And so in his mercy, he allows us to walk through this journey of life. And for most of us, not all of us, but many to most of us, we live our lives where our parents, we uh, grow up in their home and we have this sense at a very young age that everything is good in the world because mom and dad are here. I know everyone didn't have this experience, but I'm speaking generally, that they have this sense of, I'm covered. I'm covered. Everything is going to be okay. I'm covered. And we don't feel that cold, harsh air of inter- eternity and infinity and of of the inevitability of death. The, those realities, those harsh, cold, logical, conceptual winds, they are they're, they're, they're blowing and buffeting against the house, but the love of our mom and dad and the trust we have in them cover all of that over, cover all of that over. And as we get older and as they get older, we reach that stage and age where all of a sudden we realize, wait a minute, they don't have all the answers. Hey, wait a minute. They, they aren't entirely in control of everything. And wait a minute, and then we realize that, is there anybody who gets this world? Is there anybody whose voice can carry that authority that makes us feel like, well, they get it. They're a lot smarter and holier than we are. They've pondered way more and seen way more. And And if they believe, well, then that, that, that gives me confidence that even if I'm struggling, well, they're confident so I can lean on them. And And then there can be that sense of crisis of faith that says, I don't know if anybody's got it right or is credible or uh, that I can trust in. And, And that can be a crisis of faith, a deep one, especially if we get caught in this logical, conceptual world and all of a sudden the environment of trust and entrustment it turns instead to suspicion and mistrust and um, and doubt, radical doubt. And a lot of our there are definitely streams of this in the rise of the atheistic approach, the atheistic mindset that is a very scientific, cold, harsh mindset that works. In in ways that are completely opposed to trust and entrust, and uh, immerse yourself in the relationship, and you'll know what's real. Fundamentally different things. And so, um, I'm at that I'm now at that stage that I just entered into last Friday, where you know, even though I'm 58 years old, I still had someone standing between me and death. My dad. You know, my mom died six years ago. And there was this sense of saying, I don't feel that exposure to death that is just me now facing death as I look towards the future, because standing between me and the in that future of death was my dad, was, uh, you know, my mom until she died, and then my dad. Well, now that cover's been stripped away. Now it's me. And all of a sudden, now I'm looking back and I'm thinking, huh, now... I'm thinking about my kids looking at me. It's not that far off where I'm I'm going to be that old guy and they're going to be looking at me and smiling and thinking that they're in the, the vigor and, and strength and the, the heart of their own lives. And, and they're going to discover and begin to live out their call, their vocation in their lives. And those are called to marriage and, and family. And all of a sudden, their lives are going to become much more centralized around them, and I'm going to be moved off more to the periphery It's this journey of life, and it's it's a it's a kind of a poignant moment to to be reflecting on this and so uh heading back to to Boston to be with my family, uh my siblings and their kids uh over the weekend and into early next week to um, celebrate my dad with a, a rosary wake on Monday night, and the funeral on Tuesday morning. Um, it 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 brings right out into the open these like final realities, like what is ultimately important, what is ultimately uh, uh, what 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 matters, what really matters, and so. The mercy of God that allows us to be able to face death with hope, not, not despair, right? That we can look to the reality of death with hope that death is the doorway out. We get beyond this fallen world, and that's a gift. We don't have to stay stuck in a world that is marked by sin and its consequences, And yet, that's not the whole story, right? Because Christ has redeemed the world and us who are in it and are members of his body have a foretaste of heavenly life. We are children of God with God's life within us. But that life has to be nurtured. That life has to be fed. That relationship has to to grow or it'll diminish, and we'll lose that sensitivity and then we'll be falling back into the, the forces that are still wreaking havoc in this world. The forces of sin, the world of flesh and the devil, right? The, these things that would make us tend towards uh, sinful disobedience and mistrust of God. And that's, that's not what God wants for us. And so the mercy of being able to uh, go through these trials and tribulations that lead us to a type of death, a dying to self, a dying to preferences, a dying to plans, a dying to ways of looking at things, a dying to, to ways of living, and the willingness to follow the Lord through whatever cross, whatever trial, whatever difficulty, as part of his called not only to purify us in order to go deeper into our union, the union with him, but also to be more fruitfully usable by him in helping to bring about the salvation of the world. Right? That's that's the gift that the Lord offers to us. So I'm kind of back at the beginning on this Feast of St. Francis today. Let's, Let's pray for the gift of prayer. Let's pray for a deeper longing and a willingness to commit more generously and vigorously come what may to growing in our relationship with the Lord through prayer. All right, God bless your day and join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.